No, go ahead and have a seat real quick. We're going to set this up. You're going to have to deal with me a little bit. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, hey, so I want to give you a little bit of a precursor. If you want, you can turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Um, we're going to use this, and I don't like to do this often. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm a firm believer against it. I always say I hate when people use uh, scripture as a diving board um, to then dive into something else that doesn't cover that particular text. Um, we're going to jump into Colossians chapter 4 real quick because um, I believe this is one of those sermons that is, is one that I think in the past has been fought against. And here's the reason why I say that. Um, two weeks ago, I was supposed to preach this sermon on the way in uh, to preach is when we got rear-ended on the way. I mean, like, yeah, just totaled the car. It was kind of one of those days. As a matter of fact, I remember arguing. I told Darren, I'm like, oh, we're going to go to church. And Darren's like, no, you're not, dude. <laughs> you need to go and get checked out at the urgent care and everything like that. So if you were here that Sunday, you will remember that we really didn't have much uh, for you. We ended up having a little bit of a prayer service and stuff, and I appreciate that greatly. But as a result of things that came up, uh, we weren't able to uh, have that sermon. And then uh, this morning, I get a phone call from Mike. Mike was one of the first ones here, Mike Manizeski. And he's like, you're not going to believe this. Somebody tried to steal our uh, air conditioning condensers off the roof. And so I was like, dude, call the police. We got here, you know. So the back half of the building and downstairs doesn't have any AC now. Now we still have our condensers. We're just gonna have to pay money uh, to get them all hooked back up. And we're gonna have to look at the security issue uh, and how we can deal with that. But I believe that this is one of those things. And here's the reason why. I believe that this sermon, um, in a nutshell, is really what Satan wants to work against, Okay. And that is this, that number one, you were created with purpose and value and meaning. And in some way, shape, or form, for some reason, our culture is bought in hook, line, and sinker that your value and purpose come in how people view you and what you do. When the reality is your value and purpose is an intrinsic thing that is given to you by, and, and in reality, in our, the Constitution, by our or an inalienable rights given to us and bestowed upon us by our Creator. Regardless of where you're at politically, you are of value and purpose because, not because of your political opinion, not because of your moral values and beliefs, but because God created you in his image with purpose and value and meaning, but there's a problem. It's been hijacked, all right? Your value and purpose oftentimes gets hijacked because we try and strive to, 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 to into other things. So if you have your Bibles, Colossians chapter four, if you don't have your Bibles, okay, we've got it uh, on the screen. You'll be able to follow along. It says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, all right? And I believe this is one of those things. When we talk about devoting yourselves to prayer, matter of fact, if you're a person who maybe doesn't pray a lot, a lot of times people are like, oh, right, great, we're gonna get into this whole idea. But I want you to think about this. Scripture says this, to be always praying. In other words, to pray without ceasing. In other words, as we walk through life, that we're spending time in prayer. Man, you're walking through the day and something comes up, I just pray about it real quick. So he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And then Paul says this, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And what you have to begin to understand is that when scripture talks about this mystery in the past, 
When God created everything, we're gonna jump into this a little bit, uh, God creates everything, but then in the Old Testament, there's this mystery they're waiting for. They're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for the Redeemer. In, this, in the past, it was viewed as a mystery, but Paul is saying, listen, we wanna proclaim the mystery of Christ. We wanna proclaim the good news. We wanna proclaim what Jesus did, and he says, listen, I'm in chains as a result of that. So then verse four, he says this, pray that I may pro- proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so today, the sermon title is simply three circles, all right, or life in three circles, all right? And what I wanna do is really write this out. Matter of fact, I'm gonna encourage you now, you can take your phones out. For those of you who are technologically challenged and don't have this, you're just gonna have to take notes the old-fashioned way. All right, but I wanna encourage you right now where you're at, grab your phones, go to your app store, all right, and download, very simply, download the Life on Mission app, all right? I don't see you guys getting your phones out. This is a participation project, all right? Okay, it's free, it's completely free. It's not gonna cost you anything other than data, all right? If you don't have data, just wait till you get home. But the reason why I say this, because I want you to follow along with me, For those of you who want to, I would encourage you to take notes, but we're gonna jump in and we're gonna look at a number of things. uh, And and really the reality in this is this. Number one, I believe this is gonna clearly communicate the gospel message to you, all right? And what has been hijacked oftentimes is what we'll classify as the good news, the gospel. A lot of times we get a portion of the good news. We get something where we have a, a little bit of an understanding. But what I want you to see today is that the gospel is good news, that the, the message of Jesus is good news. And that when we understand it, when we begin to relate to it, when we acknowledge Jesus and we repent and believe in him, that God has something even greater in store for you. And I, So I wanna ask this question. Have you ever been in a conversation or, or with another person who was sharing their hurts or their struggles, maybe their bad habits they have developed, and you wanted, you wanted to help them out. You wanted to share with them a, a, a pointer or a, a good idea, something you'd say, hey, this has really helped me out. As a matter of fact, I, I oftentimes look about it, you know, when you, when you want to start working out or you want to start getting in shape, you ever notice that when you start talking about people you're getting in shape, everybody's going to opinion. Like, don't do this. Or, hey, man, this really worked great for me. You know, a lot of people have opinions about that. But the reality is sometimes what works for somebody else may not work for you. You know, I know people that when we were down in Texas, they were big on the Atkins diet. It's like all meat, nothing else, right? You know, later on they come out and they're like, hey, the Atkins diet, don't go that way, right? You need more than just that. So that was an opinion-based diet for them, all right? So Here's what I want to do. Genesis chapter one, and you guys can flip there if you want. I'm just going to explain very simply the beginning. In Genesis chapter one, we get what we describe as, as God's design, all right? And it's, it's God's original plan. Can't see the green very well, so I'm going to go to the white, all right? But in Genesis chapter one, we get God's design. As a matter of fact, if you were to read Genesis chapter one, you'll see that God spoke everything into existence in the first place, all right? So in the first five days of creation, God speaks things into existence. It says that out of the very words, matter of fact, what we just read is the idea that the word of God is what created 
everything. And if you know anything about what the New Testament just taught in, in Colossians chapter one is that Jesus was existent long before he was ever born as humankind, that God in three persons existed right from the start. So you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in the beginning in Genesis chapter one in the first five verses. So if, if God's existence and God, God is existing at the start in those three forms, we see that God speaks everything into existence. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when he spoke everything into existence, he looked and he said it was good. But then God designed man. And this is the thing we have to begin to understand because everything else was spoken into existence, but God designs man. In other words, it's this idea that of like a clay or an, a, a potter with a, a, a lump of clay. He formed him and he fashioned him. It says that out of the dust of the ground that God forms us and he fashions us. This is his original design. There's an intimate relationship between God and his humankind, God and his creation. All of creation cries out for it. All of creation is, is proclaiming the good news of God and what he's done and God's design was set up that way, but there's a uniqueness. And this is one of the struggles when it comes down to things. There is a uniqueness about humanity versus everything else. This is why human or the love for humans should always usurp or overtake the love for anything else. It should always come over anything else. Possessions, even our own earth. And I'm not trying to undercut anything, but I want you to understand this, that the love of humanity should always be primary because that's the way God set it up. And in reality, God set it up so that we could have a relationship with him. But here's the struggle. Here's the problem. Here's where we begin to walk into some difficulties. And this is the overarching thing. And I want you to get this. If we wanted to turn conversations into having pointed discussions with people, to have a, a, a good conversation with somebody, we have to begin to understand what's taking place. So here's the big idea. If you remember anything else, I want you to remember this, that the good news is God's way out of brokenness and leads us to experience God's design in everything. The good news of the gospel is God's way out of brokenness and leads us to experience God's design in everything. And so I, I told you to download that Life on Mission app. You can go through it as you want to, but I wanna encourage you as we jump in we begin to understand God's design. And here's what I wanna do. If you're a believer and you're not somebody who actively shares the gospel. This is a very simple way you can do it. You can do it, matter of fact, you can go online, you can watch these videos. I got some of the videos on the app you can watch. It's a very simple three to six minute demonstration. I would encourage you to try and do it less than three because most of the time you'll lose people's awareness or attention, all right? But this is a good way to share the good news of the gospel with somebody else that because of our hurts, because of our struggles, because of the habits we've done, because of the discrepancies and the things that we struggle with, that God has a plan for us. So God's design in the beginning was to have a good relationship with people, but there's this problem. In Genesis chapter three, man's sins is a result, or, or as a result of man's sins, the image is shattered. In other words, we were created in God's image, is what scripture says, but as a result of the sins, that image is broken. All right, that image is flawed. It's, it's got a problem. It's got a difficulty. And so as a result of sin, we end up into a, or we end up in a bad situation. All right, so I want you to think about this as we jump in. In Genesis chapter three, it, starting in, in verse one, I'm gonna flip over there and just read it real quick so you can begin to understand what takes place. In Genesis chapter three, and this I have no doubt, and I, I, I believe this wholeheartedly, 
Listen, listen to what this says. It says, the serpent was more crafty than any wild animals the Lord God had made. He, and he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now here's, here's the ploy, here's the play, all right? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now listen, if you know anything about that, God didn't say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. He just said you can't eat from one tree. And so there's a casting of a doubt upon what God says. Now, this is what happens all throughout humanity, all throughout history, is we begin to cast doubt upon what God says. What God says is right, what God says is wrong. We begin to cast doubt on the fact, is the Bible even something I should listen to? Is the Bible God's word or is there something else that's God's word? How does this all flow together? How does this make one big sentence or one big story? How do all these sentences come together and make one big story so that we can begin to understand it? And so Satan begins to cast doubt right away. And what happens? When Satan casts doubt, then people start to believe it. We allow Satan to speak into our minds. We allow Satan to mislead us, to lead us in the wrong direction, to point us in to different areas. And so as a result, because of sin, we have this really big problem over here and it's called brokenness. I mean, all of us can sit back and look in some way, shape or form, we have all experienced brokenness in our lives. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Maybe you are looking for answers in all the wrong directions. Maybe you're looking for acceptance from people. Maybe it's, hey, I'm gonna look for meaning in money. Oops, mo moans, all right? Maybe it's even addictions. I'm gonna look for acceptance. I'm gonna look for validity. I'm gonna look for value in drugs and alcohol or maybe even sexual addiction, pornography, and things like that, and we begin to chase after things. We even, we even look for value and purpose in other relationships, don't we? I mean, going back to the old school Jerry Maguire statement, you complete me as if you weren't complete in and of yourself. Listen, anytime you rely upon a person to complete you, another hum human being, you've already fallen short. Now, I'm not discrediting love, I'm not discrediting the importance of a relationship, but when you look to fill your life with all of these things, what we find out is all of those things still leave us what? Empty. Why is it that somebody who is so rich, I mean, I think about all of the, all of the guys, popularity, musicians and stuff who are popular, they're loaded with money, they got girls all around them and then they commit suicide, Why? Why is it in the same way, shape, and form that a poor person who could be surrounded by people who love him can run into the throne of, of drugs and alcohol addiction and lose their life? Why? Because it's, we're looking for acceptance, we're looking for value, we're looking for purpose in everything else. We look through it from people. We, we look for it from people, right? If I don't get the, 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 the right feedback from people, I'm gonna look and say, it must be me. We want that value acceptance and what we want is we want that value and acceptance in the wrong things. We want people to look at us as, as successful because we might have good looks or we might have the right money or we might have the right house or we might even live in the right neighborhood and be friends with the right people because we're able to pay all the money for sports. I mean, heck, we're dealing with that right now. Do you see the big picture of what goes on? 
we run headlong into chasing after things that really have no value and no purpose other than here on earth. I mean, the simple fact is, we're all gonna die. We're all gonna get old. We're all gonna lose our looks. You might suffer from furniture syndrome where your chest becomes your drawers or your chest falls into your drawers. That's all gonna fail. Money, heck, with the way money system goes right now, everybody's worried about money. Everybody struggles. The average American I hear nowadays, they say that the average American at the age of 40 has less than 3%. I have no clue what's going on. Less than 3% save for retirement of what they need. That should speak volumes to us about what's going on. We chase and run after these things. We run into brokenness. We run and think that that's going to bring value and meaning. But see, what Satan wants, he wants Adam and Eve at this point in time to focus on, on all that's not good. Matter of fact, in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, it says that God, after he created everything, looked and said everything was very good. And what Satan says is he goes, I want you to look at the things that are bad or the things you may feel bad are in your life. And he goes, when you look at those things, I'm gonna cast doubt upon what God says about you. I'm gonna cast doubt on that you're a person of value. I'm gonna cast doubt that you have any purpose and meaning in your life. I'm gonna cast doubt, and I want you to think that if other people don't look at you in a certain way, then, then you have no meaning. Listen, whether a person is homeless on the street or living in some Bel Air mansion, they are of equal value in the eyes of God. May not be of equal value in the eyes of people who drive around the streets, but they are of equal value. And likewise, I believe they should be of equal value to us. Why? Because everybody matters. Listen, Satan stresses the negative. He's always implying that God's strict restrictions are hindering you. What's funny is, if you read this section of scripture, everybody's like, oh, see, that's right there. God's setting it up. He's got to be setting up standard. Those weren't even strict restrictions at all. God said, you can do whatever the heck you want. Just don't touch that one thing. And here's what happens in our life. God says, I'm giving you freedom. I'm letting you walk in my grace. I'm letting you experience life and life more abundantly. And what do we always want? We want the things that he says we can't have. We want to walk the tightrope along the edge and say, God, you know, if you really love me, you'll let me do whatever I want. When that's the false lie, that's a lie that Satan begins to cast right away. That you're of no value. That if God really loved you, he'd let you do whatever you want. When the reality is God loves you, God cares for you, and the reason he wants you to, to, to follow his standards is because of that reason. He wants to protect you. He wants to guard you. See, here's the reality in this section of scripture. What we have to begin to understand is that brokenness is a result. The indiscretion of one individual, Adam and Eve, or two individuals technically, leads to the downfall of all of us. Matter of fact, the Bible says this, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means all. There's nothing that separates us out. All of us struggle with brokenness. The last I knew, everybody dies. The last I know that I, you know, I, I jokingly say this, I've said this a couple times, I've never done a funeral and had a dude walk up out of his casket. Kind of freak out if I did. All of us are trapped by sin 
and all of us struggle with brokenness. And see, it's the simple fact that this, that sin leads us to this place of brokenness. Sin leads us to the point of saying, hey, I need man's acceptance more than I need God's acceptance. I need man's approval more than I need to strive for the righteousness that God has called me to do. And as a result of that, we live in a world of brokenness. Matter of fact, I would even say and venture to say this very, very confidently, that the reason why we have so many problems in our society right now is right here. That's where we stop. And for some reason, I'll even say this, we think that the government is going to heal our brokenness. If they just took care of us with more money, maybe if they paid off our college or maybe if they took care of us medically, the reality is you're still broken. You're still financially struggling. You're still broken. And the the problem with this is when we begin to look into those areas, we begin to struggle. So God's design, great design, great plan, but as a result of sin, because Satan comes in and casts doubt, sin leads to brokenness. And here's where the good news comes in, because the good news is simply that, the gospel. You hear the word gospel a lot. Gospel literally means good news. And when we talk about the good news of the gospel, what we begin to see is this, that the gospel is God's way of providing us or giving us an opportunity to have a relationship with him again. Sin leads us to brokenness, and as a result of brokenness, God has to do something in order to provide a way. And so God sends Jesus, and it says that Jesus died on the cross. Why? Because God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So God sends his son, Jesus, to live life among us, to show us how to live, to show us how to walk with purity, to 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 show us that he could be tempted in every way, just like we are, tempted to chase after the things that show we're broken. He could be tempted in every way, yet no sin was in him. And as a result, he goes to the cross, he dies on the cross, bearing the weight and the burden of all of that brokenness right there upon his own shoulders, and he rose again. That's the good news of the gospel. And what most of us like to do is we wanna chase after everything else. We chase after financial security, however that looks. It may be just a steady job and an income. It may be being able to buy things up and investing in money and we'll we'll chase after those. We chase after acceptance from people. But all of that leads us to that struggle. See, the righteousness of the one, Jesus, offers freedom to all. Matter of fact, the, the Bible says this, that Satan comes to steal kill and destroy. And here's what I mean by that. If he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he wants to steal your value or purpose in your mind. He wants to destroy any sense or idea that God loves you because he created you how you are. And then at that, he wants to kill you by casting doubt upon everything here. And he's basically saying this, if you choose to continue to run after this way, you're going to be with me. You're not gonna be with God, you're gonna be with me. And so he wants to kill you. Listen, I believe wholeheartedly the reason depression and suicide and things like that are through the roof 
regardless of your past, regardless of your background, we could talk about soldiers and everything. I believe wholeheartedly the reason those two things are through the roof is suicide and depression is very simply this, that Satan has blinded people to think that their value and purpose comes in, in, in what they can do or what they can't do. It comes in this idea that if I could just, if I could just drink myself into a stupor, I'll forget where I'm at. Or if I could just get these drugs, I would be able to be fine. Not too long ago, I don't remember what, the kids were gone. I know what it was. Our, our kids were out in Indiana and we're sitting down and I end up getting caught on National Geographic watching this show called Drugs, Inc. And it was, I mean, they followed everybody from the drug dealers to the drug suppliers to the, the police that were fighting against it and everything. But this guy had everything under the sun. He, at one point, he was a CEO. This is down in Texas, Dallas area. He was a CEO of a, of a large corporation. He had a wife and two kids, and he got addicted to meth. And I'm not joking. They're interviewing him as he's sitting in a tent. He lost his job. He lost his wife. He lost his kids. He doesn't even talk to him anymore. And he says, all I live for right now is my $20 hit that I can get every day. And Satan has bought, has, he has bought into the lie that Satan says, look, that, if that's all you need, that's all you got. That's all you need to have, to have purpose. And he goes, I'm good with it. And what I worry about is oftentimes we're good with being and walking and living in brokenness. Ah, oh, it's just what everybody's got to deal with. But the good news of the gospel is I don't have to live in a state of constant brokenness. Matter of fact, the Bible says that when we're broken, we can have a real encounter with who Jesus is, that God breaks us so that we can see that it's not through these ways, but that God can break our hearts so that we can see it's only through his way. See, the good news of the gospel leads me to a point where I have to make a decision. And that decision is this, that I can turn from my ways that I've walked in in the past, and turning is simply just a simple word that in the Bible, a lot of times people are like, <gasps> But turning means, or repentance means, that I'm just turning away, that I can repent and believe. That I repent, in other words, I turn from my ways. I'm not gonna chase after all these things. I realize that all those things have led me even into a deeper state of brokenness, that I can repent of those and that I can believe. What do I believe? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Simple, but we make it so complex. We make it about all these things. Now, here's the great news about this whole idea of repenting and believing. Repentance is literally an acknowledgement that I am broken. Repentance is acknowledging I'm broken and then repentance is saying I am turning from my brokenness and I'm turning to the only one who can heal that broken heart, who can heal my broken attitude, who can fill the void that can only be filled by God in us. See, that's the reality. Most of us are like broken or we're like pitchers. We're like a glass pitcher that's empty and we try everything else to fill it up with everything else. We fill it up with contaminants. We fill it up with things that we think bring value and purpose and meaning when the reality is the only one that could fill that void, the only one that can fill that pitcher is God. And so simply hearing the good news is not just enough. It's this idea of repenting and believing. That I repent, that I turn 
from what I'm doing and I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. Repentance is simply this. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change in direction. Now listen, a lot of people think, well, I repented and believed. That means I'm never gonna struggle with all of these things over here. If you think that Satan's gonna give up on you just because you all of a sudden turned and believed, you got something coming. And that's why I go back to what we said at the start. I have no doubt that the reason Satan was doing what he's doing is because he doesn't want a message like this to be discussed. He doesn't want, number one, he doesn't want believers in the church to share their faith. Number two, he doesn't want people who maybe have never acknowledged and put their faith and trust in Jesus to even listen to something like this, let alone have a chance to possibly put their faith and trust in who Jesus is. So if you don't believe that Satan doesn't work overtime, all you gotta do is look around. As a matter of fact, I would even say this, there are times where maybe there's a point in time that you're supposed to go and do something and you better believe that Satan's gonna try and stop you from doing whatever that is. I found it ironic that every time we went on a mission trip, when we were leading teenagers on a mission trip, something happened. And it's not just because there were teenagers around and there's a bunch of drama. I mean, something happened every time it seemed like. Blown tires, tire tread comes off. I mean, there's all kinds of things. It seemed like every time we had something. But listen, the good news is this, that when I hear the gospel, when I understand the gospel, that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again, and he did that so that I could repent, I can turn from my broken way of life, and I can look to him, the author and perfecter of my faith. I can look to him and believe in him and put my faith and trust in him. Now the change happens. Because here's what happens. Here's the beauty of this, that God takes broken people. Listen, this doesn't mean you're no longer broken. You're still a broken person. You're not perfected. Perfection comes later according to scripture. You're still a broken person, but you're walking in the good news. You're walking with the healed heart. You're walking with the healed attitude. And he says, I wanna take you as a broken person and I'm gonna send you back. You're gonna recover you're gonna understand that your value and meaning does not come in these things. Your value and meaning comes right here. That Jesus brings me purpose, that Jesus brings me value. And so I can recover and then I can live with purpose. That means that there's something better for me. That means that when I approach my job, I don't have to approach my job and go, oh my gosh, it's just... An end, a means to an end, the reality is I can approach my job that everything I do, the scripture says this, that whatever your hands and feet find to do, that you do it all for the glory of God. So that means if I get to play baseball and I become a professional baseball player, guess what? I do it to the best of my ability, not for my own benefit, but for the glory of God. If it means that I'm a trash picker-upper, you know, then I do the trash to the best of my ability. That's why in the past, I've always said this. I believe Christians should be the hardest working, most sacrificial people in the world. Why? Because the Bible says that when you work, you're proclaiming the glory of God to everybody else. So I recover and now I have purpose. See, the reality is most of us try and find value and purpose and meaning in the broken things that will never give us any sort of significance other than acceptance from other people. And what I want you to see is this, that God's design from the get-go 
according to Scripture, was that after he created mankind, remember I said he spoke everything to existence and everything was good? But when he created man, it says now he looked at everything and it was very good. Sin comes in, now it's a little bit rough. It's broken. But as a result of Jesus Christ, we are now in the image of God according to Scripture. And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He looks at us and he sees the image of Christ in us. He sees the spirit that is dwelling within us. And he looks at us and he says, that, that right there is a child of mine. That is my very creation. And hear me out. Here's what I want you to understand. Regardless of whether you choose to believe it or not, God still loves you. God still values you. God still says you have purpose. Because listen, here's what I want you to understand. He says that because he gave his son for you. Your value and meaning and purpose should be shown in the fact that when Jesus came and lived, died, and rose again, that that value and meaning and purpose is there because God said, I did what you couldn't do. That I provided the way that you couldn't provide for yourself. That in the midst of chasing all of those things that lead us to brokenness, I can make you whole again. You know, the funny thing about it is this, that in brokenness, when everybody comes and they're like, well, the Old Testament's so jacked up. Do you know why the Old Testament's so jacked up? You ever thought about this? Because it's a bunch of broken people trying to do things to get and earn their way back to God. That whole time period was people trying to earn God's good grace by covering up the things they did with sacrifices and everything else. And the Old Testament just simply points us to this right here the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That man, you can't do it on your own. There is nothing of value in you other than the fact that God brings value to you. And so what I wanna do just simply with this is this, and I hope you, you, you understand. I wanna read a verse, Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse 10. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read starting in verse eight and we're gonna close with the song here in, in just a brief moment. But I want you to think about this verse because in, in, in Ephesians, <clears throat> Paul writes this statement. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. In other words, faith in Jesus. And this is not from yourselves. It is a, a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, even those who come to church and you give all kinds of money and you serve in the church, if you aren't walking in faith, if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, those works do nothing for you. But listen to this in verse 10. And this is the promise and this is the beauty of the gospel. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Listen to me. When you understand that your value and purpose and meaning comes not in who you are or necessarily what you do, but it comes in who you are in Christ, you will begin to understand that you can walk in victory because the Bible says very clearly that Jesus says this, that I have come that you may have life and life more abundant. He wants you to experience an abundant life a life full of joy, a life, yes, you're gonna have heartache and struggle, but in the same time, through that heartache and struggle, he will walk you into a place of joy. This last week, matter of fact, Tuesday was my dad's birthday. August 5th would have been my parents' 49th anniversary. 
a time where people could say, oh man, is it tough? And it's tough. There are days I wish I could just wake up, call my dad, hey, what's going on? Financial decisions come up. I always talk to my dad about finances. I used to listen to my grandpa and my dad talk about finance. I'm like, golly, these guys are brilliant. Weren't rich, weren't loaded, worked hard. You know how often I miss talking to my dad? Every day. But you know how I can walk with joy even though knowing that my dad's gone? Because I know without a doubt that my dad in the midst of his brokenness acknowledged that Jesus was his only way. That Jesus could fix his brokenness and that Jesus could make his life have value and purpose again. That Jesus could take, listen, a broken guy who never completed college, who ends up, and my dad would tell you this to this day, I have no clue why God gave me a business because I was not the brightest guy in school. But God blessed me. And God gave me value and purpose and meaning and that in the midst of working on semi-trucks, my dad was able to have an impact on guys that most people couldn't even sit down and relate to. That when guys came to my dad's funeral, and I told you it's the largest funeral I've ever been to, packed house, I'm, I'm guessing six, six or 700 because they, were, they, were, they, were, they seat about 700 in their sanctuary area there. And it was packed. And all I can remember is this, that your dad was a man of great influence and character. There were people who don't believe who Jesus is that said, you know what, your dad lived it out. Your dad loved us. Your dad cared for us. Your dad spoke wisdom to us when we wouldn't have wisdom from anybody else. And the reason you can walk through a broken situation and scenario in Christ is because this, you realize that your value comes in who Jesus is, not in what I do. I bring no value to it other than my brokenness. And the Bible says that in your brokenness, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died. So regardless of what you've gone through, regardless of even what you're going through now, what addiction, what sorrow, what brokenness, what, what thing you're trying to find value and purpose and meaning in, regardless of what you think is valuable, Jesus says, if you put your faith and trust in me, I'm the one who brings you value. I'm the one who gives you purpose. I'm the one who created you in the first place. And as a result of sin, you're just walking in brokenness. And I want to heal your heart of that. So I very simply wanted to do that. I want to share this with you. I want to encourage you. If you're a believer, this is a simple way you can, you can present the gospel. Matter of fact, I, I, I told you to download that app all right, you can go and watch the videos. You can use this as a way to share the gospel. If you're a person who maybe you would say, today, I'm stuck in brokenness. I have tried everything under the sun to, fulfill, to fill that void. Then what I just simply wanna say to you today is this. I would love to have you make it public, but I wanna say to you today is this, that the Bible says very clearly that if you believe that Jesus died on the cross, that if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is the Lord, that you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That God will save you right where you're at. Listen, the promise is never that all of a sudden life is gonna be perfect. I think in some way, shape, or form, most people think, oh, all of a sudden I have a, a life with Jesus, everything's gonna be perfect. 
It doesn't say that at all. Matter of fact, if you read the New Testament at times, it says it's going to be harder. Remember the part where we read in Colossians chapter 4 just earlier, Paul said he was in chains. He was put in prison because of his beliefs. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It just means that in the midst of the broken things you'll walk through, God will always be there. He will never leave you or forsake you. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have the praise team come up. We're going to close with the song. And I'm just going to have every head bowed and every eye closed. No pressure. You don't have to look around. But if today you would say, that's where I'm at. Brian, I've, I've got a lot of brokenness. I got a lot of heartache. I got a lot of struggles. I've been dealing with things in my life that I have tried to fill that void with something else. Maybe it's acceptance from other people. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's even just work. But if you would just say, that's me, that's where I'm at, I'm broken, and I have no answer for the brokenness I'm going through. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just lift your hand up? I just want to pray for you where you're at, that I'm struggling. I, 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 I deal with an addiction. I, I deal with these struggles. I, I have issues. Good. You can just lift it up, put it back down. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray, and I want you to understand that there's nothing magical about my prayer. But if where you're at, you would say, I want to acknowledge Jesus. I need to turn some things over to him. Then I want you to pray. But also I want to offer this prayer for somebody who maybe you would say, hey, I have never put my faith and trust in Jesus. Just where you're at, you can simply say this. God, I know I am a broken sinner. And I know that you created me for a relationship with you. And I know likewise that my sin has separated me from you. And I have chased after things to bring value and purpose and meaning to my life. But today I want to chase after you. I want to turn from the life I've been following and I want to turn to Jesus and I want to make him my Lord and Savior. Would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? And would you save me from the destructive nature that I have created? Listen, today where you're at, Jesus wants you to know that you have value and you have purpose and you have meaning. That you don't have to run to those things that you think you need to fill your life with, but you could run to him. And so here's what I wanna do very simply. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time, I'm gonna be up here, I'm gonna be sitting down and you want somebody to pray with you. What I'm gonna ask you to do is just come up here. I would love to pray with you. There's nothing magical about up here, but as we stand and as we close with this song, if you've done that, you can come and see me at the end, let me know. I would love to talk with you more about it, but we're gonna ask you to make a commitment today to not chase after the brokenness, but to chase after Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, the righteous for the unrighteous. Let's stand and let's sing.